Wonderful. Good morning, Christ Point. It's good to see you. Grateful for the beautiful weather outside today. Grateful that God decided to tuck the sun behind the clouds. Uh, last time we did this for Easter, you looked miserable. And so you look happier today, which is a good thing. I want to share with you a brief but important announcement as we uh, move forward as a church. I want to just thank God for Phil, uh, for his willingness to bring us up to date with uh, the land. I uh, also wanted to let our church know that with uh, the recent decision by the CDC and the governor of our state, we will no longer require uh, wearing masks outside or inside uh, the barn. Uh, we will continue to offer our service online for those who choose uh, to tune in online. Uh, of course, you're more than welcome uh, to sit on the porch and to listen as well, or we I uh, also want to invite you inside to, uh, to worship face-to-face -face as well. And so uh, take note of that beginning uh, next week. And so we're giving uh, thanks to God uh, for his goodness and taking uh, good care of our church. After, I guess it was last uh, summer, we came back and started meeting face-to-face. -face, and God has been uh, kind to us over that time. And so uh, we are super grateful. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the book of Colossians. Uh, we're in Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of the scripture, you can pull out your electronic device and follow along. Uh, if you would like, you can go to Version. It's a great app. Uh, look for our church under events. If you want to see my outline and follow along, you can do that by clicking on Christ Point Church, and you'll kind of see where I'm headed uh, this morning, which is oftentimes uh, helpful. Uh, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote in prison uh, to uh, a young church, a small church in Colossae. Uh, he wanted to see them uh, firm in the faith. He wanted to paint a clear picture of the person and work of Jesus. And so he wrote uh, this poem in Colossians chapter 1. We looked at the first half uh, last week. I want to read the whole thing this morning. Uh, and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to walk through this passage together. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, uh, reads, He is the image of the invisible God, uh, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or uh, dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 21 reads, In you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and which I, Paul, became a minister." Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, as is our custom at Christ Point, please, uh, I invite you to take a moment and pray for you. You uh, know you better than I know you, and so pray that God would uh, work in your heart and in your life this morning.
And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me uh, that my words might be helpful in pointing us to Jesus? Father God, we're hopeful for uh, the life that we have because of Jesus. We give you a thanks this morning that we have the opportunity to come and to gather as uh, your people and to hear from you. Thank you that you have not uh, been silent. You've spoken to us through uh, your son, Jesus. You've given to us your spirit who uh, indwells in us, who fills us. You've uh, given to us your word, which is living and active. I pray now that you would use it to form and shape us as your people, change us, uh, do a good work in us for your namesake. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, my daughter, Amelia, is the most beautiful girl in all of the world. It's really not close, uh, but I would never say that in public. Uh, I am partial to Amelia. However, uh, Amelia is a bit messy. Uh, she is a bit mess messy. She is an artist. She loves art, which is a wonderful thing until you go into her room. Uh, and her room oftentimes looks like Michael's, the art section of Michael's. Have you been there before? It looks like it exploded in her bedroom. Right? It's a little messy. There are pens and pieces of paper. Uh, there's carnage all over the floor. Her desk that we purchased for her uh, to do virtual school and to study and to learn looks like it belongs to Jackson Pollock. Uh, there is paint all over it. It is a mess. Occasionally, I will be uh, just a little bit frustrated with the most beautiful girl on the planet, and so I will walk into her room, uh, and I will survey her room, and I will say, Amelia... Who is in charge here? Who is in charge here? In other words, why is your room a mess? And she will look at me and she will smile and she will walk up to me and she will stick out her hands and place them on me and push me out of the room. Right? She doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't want to hear what I have to say from her. I want to know who is responsible for this mess uh, that you have created. Uh, the church, uh, the church, uh, is beautiful. The church is beautiful. Uh, when, when the church is operating the way that the church should, uh, when we are functioning the way that we should as the people of God, uh, the church is God's beautiful idea. Uh, and uh, the church can be a little messy. Uh, perhaps uh, you have had a messy church experience before. Uh, a time when not everything went the way that it was supposed to go. A, a time when you walked away from church and instead of uh, being encouraged and challenged to see uh, the beauty of Christ, you just saw, well, you saw a mess. Maybe there's been a point in time in your life where you've thought to yourself, who uh, is in charge here? Uh, well, thankfully, Paul answers that question. Uh, and he does so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, when he writes to the church at Colossae and says, and he is the head of the body, uh, the church. 
Uh, Jesus is in charge of the church. Uh, the church is God's idea. Uh, it is not man's invention. There's not a bunch of smart guys that decided to gather together uh, one day and say to each other, hey, best idea wins, what do you got? And they threw out a few ideas onto the board and then decided, I know, we'll get together once a week on Sunday, occasionally take an offering and have a potluck. Right? That did not happen. Uh, the church is God's idea. Right? It's, it's his idea. It's not ours. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging uh, to me to remember because when things uh, don't always go the way that you want them uh, to go, it's important to uh, remember that God is in control. Uh, he designed the church. He dreamed up the church. He thought about uh, the church. He can be trusted with the church. Uh, Jesus uh, is the head of the church. Uh, Paul says that Jesus is the head of the body. If you're familiar with the New Testament, uh, oftentimes in the New Testament we read that the people of God functions a uh, function uh, as a body. It's a beautiful met metaphor. I actually read it to Amelia just this morning when we were sitting in the barn. I said, Melissa, the church is like a body. And she just kind of looked at me with her head tilted to the side. I said, let me read you a, a passage uh, from this guy by the name of Paul about the body of Christ. And so uh, I took her to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. I want to take you there this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 12. And I read to her uh, these verses. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, For just as the body is one and has many members... And all members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so I said, Amelia, what part do you think you are? Uh, do you think you're an eye? Do you think you're a toe? Do you think you're a hand? And she looked at me like I was a little weird and asked if she could have another donut. And so I said, sure, you can have another donut. Uh, all throughout the New Testament, uh, there is a picture painted of the church. The church, you and me, the called out ones, those who had... Uh, who have gathered together. And Paul uses a metaphor of a body. And Jesus uh, is the head of uh, the body. The church is the idea of God, and Jesus uh, is the head. A and we learn from Paul uh, that Jesus is uniquely qualified uh, to be the head of the church. Uh, Jesus is uniquely uh, qualified. Look with me at verses 18 and 19 
of Colossians chapter 1. It says that Jesus is uh, the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Uh, For in him all the fullness of God uh, was pleased uh, to dwell. Jesus is uniquely qualified to be the head of the church. We're told in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the beginning. Uh, The word there for beginning means to be the source or priority, to be first. Uh, Jesus is the priority in the church. He is the source of all things. Uh, We exist for him. Uh, Jesus has a birthday. Jesus was born, uh, and yet he has existed uh, for all of eternity. Uh, There's never a time when Jesus could say, you know, that was before my time. He's never said that. He is eternal. I have realized with my children that I have experiences that are unique to me. Uh, and they have experiences that are unique to them. Yesterday, I was taking Cademan to a soccer tournament uh, with his friend, and they were uh, telling me about all of the things that they were learning or studying in school. And I was asking them how they study. I'm like, like, how do you study? Do you guys get together in groups? And, you know, what do you do? And they're like, well, sometimes we do a lot of work online. And as we were talking, they started telling me about this app uh, that they have now that helps them uh, with their math. Like occasionally I'll see my, my children taking pictures of their math problems. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, there's an app where you can take a picture of a math problem. It solves it for you and shows you how you got the answer. I'm like, if that is true, you are not needed in this equation. You are literally doing nothing other than taking a picture. If you were in a photography class, I would be okay with that. Um, But I don't know if that's legal. Like, I don't know if that's above board. And then I say things like, When I was a kid, right, we only had the odd numbers in the back of the math book. Like, we couldn't get all of the answers. We only could get half of the answers. They look at me and they hear me tell stories and they're like, Dad, that was before our time. Right, do you know that there's never been a point in time in all of creation where Jesus said, that was before my time. Right, Jesus is the beginning. He is the source of all things. Uh, It says that Jesus also is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus uh, literally is the resurrection trendsetter. Jesus was the resurrection trendsetter. When Paul uses uh, the word firstborn here and uh, and connects it with that word beginning, uh, he is referring to the resurrection of Jesus, not just as a single event, but as uh, something that took place that literally is ushering in a new age. Right? the, the resurrection of Jesus uh, ushers in a new age. In other words, there is hope for you and me that those who are in Christ one day will experience the resurrection. But that, that's good news, by the way. But I don't know if you think about that a whole lot. Admittedly, I don't know if I think about it a whole lot, but there are events in life that cause us um, to think about the resurrection. A dear friend two weeks ago um, shared that his mother had passed away and he traveled up north to do her funeral. I can assure you uh, that he's thought a whole lot about the resurrection over the last two weeks. 
A friend from our church has a, a dear sister, her sister, uh, who, who this week is uh, nearing the end of her life, and she's been sitting with her and praying for her and walking with her. I, I assure you that uh, the hope of the resurrection is good news for her. If you've ever lost uh, a loved one before, um, th- then you know what it's, it's like to experience uh, the hope of the resurrection. Right? We are a resurrection people, uh, and Jesus was the resurrection trendsetter. Uh, he was uh, the firstborn uh, among the dead. Uh, Paul goes on and uh, is pointing uh, the church at Colossae to Jesus. He says that Jesus is the head of the church. He's uniquely qualified to be the head of the church because uh, Jesus is from the beginning. In other words, he's been there. He's done that. He's never said that was before my time. Uh, Jesus is also the resurrection trendsetter. Right? He is the firstborn from uh, the dead. And also we see from Paul that Jesus is uh, the fullness of God. Jesus is uh, the fullness of God. In other words, Jesus is uh, God. He's fully man and fully God. He is not partially God. Uh, he doesn't share just a few attributes or a few qualities. He is God. Uh, Paul wrote to a polytheistic culture, to a church that found themselves in a polytheistic a culture, and he wanted them uh, to have a clear picture of who Jesus was. And so he writes to them and he says, uh, this man Jesus, the one who you follow, the one uh, that you know, uh, he is God. He is, he is worth giving your life for. He is worth following. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read passages like this passage in uh, the book of Colossians, and uh, it, it can be a little challenging uh, to grapple with all of the ideas that are here. It is a rich theological work. Right? It's this beautiful poem that Paul uh, wrote to the early church, but he did it for a reason. Uh, Paul didn't do it so people would be confused. Uh, he didn't do it just so people would write theological volumes and works about these verses. He did it so that people would have a clear picture of who Jesus was. Uh, Paul wanted to shine a light on the goodness of Christ. And so he reminds the church that Jesus is the head. Uh, he is uniquely qualified uh, to be the head of the church. Uh, he is the beginning. Uh, he is the firstborn from the dead. He is fully God. And then Paul is going to give uh, the church at Colossae a different framework uh, for life. He is going to give them, in essence, a, a worldview, a different way of thinking and seeing the world. Uh, look with me at verse 19 in Colossians chapter 1. It says, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach uh, before him. Uh, Paul really is giving uh, the early church a, a way of uh, seeing the world. He paints a picture for them and says, uh, at one time, uh, essentially, you were enemies of God. Uh, you were not at peace with God, but, but God has reconciled you to himself uh, through his son, Jesus. Uh, that idea of reconciliation is uh, the end of estrangement 
uh, between God and man, the end of estrangement. It's this idea of having peace with God. It's really a beautiful picture when you read about it. And there are other times in the New Testament where Paul, where, where Paul writes about it. In Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, uh, he says, uh, or, or paints a picture of the reconciliation that God has done through his son. He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. If you look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul continues uh, to paint a picture of the, recon, uh, the reconciliation that God has uh, invited us to experience. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, all this is from God through Christ uh, who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul writes the church and essentially tells them there, there was a time when you did not have peace with God. Uh, you, you were not uh, reconciled. He says in, in Colossians uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 21, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, uh, doing evil deeds. I don't know if you've ever shared that with anyone recently, um, but, it, but it usually doesn't go well. Right? Have you, I mean, have you ever heard someone say uh, before, as I did recently, uh, from, from someone that you know or love, a friend or a colleague or a, a neighbor or a family member, someone you know and are in relationship with you or, or in relationship with them. Maybe they've told you, I essentially am a good person. Right? I'm, a good, I'm a good person or I try to be a good person. Right? And I understand what people are saying when uh, they, they speak those words, but uh, when I hear that, I think about this verse from Paul and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Hey, like if you want a conversation killer, uh, you bridge, I'm basically a good person, to like, hey, you're hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Right? That never plays well at a party. Right? And yet scripture, time and time again, is like a mirror uh, that God holds up to us and says that apart from Christ, we are not rightly related uh, to God. If we do things against God's law and word and thought and in deed. Uh, but Paul doesn't stay there with the bad news. He shares good news. He says, you, you were there at one time, uh, but now he, Jesus, uh, has reconciled in his body of flesh uh, by his death in order to present you a holy and blameless and above reproach uh, before him. I love that. In other words, um, because of the work of Jesus, uh, God has invited us into a relationship uh, with the God that made us. 
Like we can be known and loved by God. We can, through faith in Jesus, experience this life uh, so much so that God, because of the good work of Jesus, will one day present us holy and blameless uh, before the Lord. But if you've, if you've ever wrestled uh, with your own sin or brokenness before, if you've ever experienced it uh, before, you, you know that Paul's words here, that one day we will be presented before God as holy and blameless and righteous, is very good news. It is very good news. I hope, man, I hope and pray uh, that you will experience that good news today. Uh, Paul continues in verse 23 and says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting uh, from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Paul is praying for this little church. Uh, may, maybe they're on a, a bit of a shaky uh, shaky ground as their faith is questioned by the community uh, that they live in. And, and he tells them that one day you will be presented holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed uh, you continue in the faith. Right? There's, there's this call to continue uh, in the faith, to not um, drift away, to not uh, tap out. Uh, if you've read the statistics oftentimes in the church about uh, the de-churched or uh, de-conversion stories, you'll hear countless stories of people uh, who were walking with the Lord, seemingly um, walking with Jesus, who for one reason or another seemed to tap out. Right? And, and they just drift away. They, uh, they, they think that the faith that was taught in their childhood uh, can no longer be trusted. Uh, maybe they, they wrestle through their own personal questions and they don't know what to do with them. Uh, maybe at one time they're in the church and they seemingly love the church, but for whatever reason they tap out of the church. Uh, Paul is saying one of the signs that we are the people of God is that we continue in the faith right, by the Spirit of God in us. Right, That we continue and, and don't tap out and don't leave the faith. I almost feel as Paul is writing to this church a place where he has never been. Uh, and he's writing to them with the heart of a pastor. Uh, and, and he wants them to know that Jesus is uh, who he said he was. Right? That, that his words are trustworthy and true. Uh, and, and he points them to Jesus, the head of the church. Reminds them that he is uniquely qualified to lead the church and then encourages them to continue on in the faith because they have been reconciled to God through Christ. It is my hope and prayer today that you would experience and receive that good news. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the work of Jesus. Lord, thank you that we can be rightly related to you because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, thank you that we have been uh, given new life, uh, that we have been called uh, sons and daughters through faith. Uh, thank you for uh, the reconciliation that is ours uh, through uh, the sufficient work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, thank you that you uh, invite us by faith to be uh, your sons and daughters, to be rightly related uh, to you. Lord, it's my hope and prayer this morning if there are those uh, who do not have a relationship with you, who do not know you, that you, uh, by your Spirit, would draw them uh, to yourself. 
and that they would, by faith, uh, trust in Jesus this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.